Borak Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 11th episode of Space oh. Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of Prox at a time. This episode we're covering 2000 AD for March of 1984, Prox 358 to 361. This week, Johnny Alpha finishes the killing, Slain flies high, Sector House 9 is haunted, and Future Shocks return with a vengeance. Uh, man. And then also we get a Thorg the Mighty come. Eleven first, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, let's keep on. This it's pretty good. Uh, okay, yeah. I know, I know. I like, I like uh, it when numbers line up like this. Definitely, yeah. It's one, one, one. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like a weird fascination. I like all singular singular digits. It yeah. also means that we're not on like episode five anymore. Thank God. Oh, I mean, yeah, if you want to say 111 is way better. Um, if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the Complete Case Files 7, Strong Team Dog, SD Agency Files 2, Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth 2, Slain Warriors Dawn, and the Complete DR and Quinch. It always just sounds like so much stuff. I mean, you know, we got five progs, they're in five books. Someday we'll have to start list- listing the other uh, Future Shocks book. Um, the uh, collect they're, they're putting out volumes of collected future shocks now, but um, oh man, that's rad! Yeah, it's cool, but they're still way behind us. So like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Damn man! So these ones might be in like future shocks volume two or three, just to just to future proof this episode. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking oh. of um, advanced technology, Fox. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> or I guess. What? Bleeding on a stone. <laughs> Fantasy versions of advanced technology, perhaps. Boom. It, it's through one slain. Oh, man. I, he's killing so many dudes. Yeah. Script robot for slain is Pat Mills. Art robot's Mick McMahon. And Massimo Bellardinelli, letting robot Tom Frame. Um, so he just killed, like, a boat of dudes, right? Yeah. Well, wait. Well, I just want to say that uh, before we start, I should mention that... As we're recording this episode today, Pat Mills has just released the book uh, Kiss My Axe, which is all about the development of Slain up to and including this very storyline of the Sky Chariots. Uh, It just came out, so I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it's very high on my list. I'm super excited to check it out. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, And anyhow, you know, so yeah, like you're saying, Fox, just so we're clear, Slain is fighting Sky Vikings while working (laughs) as a bodyguard for an evil Droon wizard on a flying ship. It's It's pretty awesome. all of my fantasies come to life. (laughs) Absolutely. And, Um, oh, man, I mean, I got so many questions for you about these flying ships. So, okay, (laughs) just before we jump into this, like, do they even know how much blood you need to put on a weird stone? No. They're, like, killing Yeah. They have no idea. Blood on. Why don't? Why not just like rub a little bit of blood and see if that's if that takes it, right? Like, it's a fair point, I guess. When when there's when your life is on the line, like there's no time to be measured. <laughs> you know, you kind of just gotta. You know, it's like when you're trying to outrun an avalanche. Like, yeah, like listen, maybe if you just sort of tap the accelerator, you'll be fast enough. But honestly, <laughs> at that point, you feel like you're you wanna you wanna just go pedal to the metal. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the version of that. It's just sacrificing all your bowls onto the weird stone to keep your ship going, you know? Like, you aren't going to get fuel, good fuel economy that way, but you outrun the avalanche. So whatever. <laughs> that may be my favorite analogy that you've ever done in defense of uh, just bleeding all over a stone. <laughs> I mean, you know, they got to figure it out, man. But so, okay. All right, enough not doing it. <laughs> I gotta say that that this whole, all this story is a soup. Like the art is goddamn glorious. Um, you know, oh, yeah. Mike McMahon draws everything so awesomely. Just the way the action flows in these pages, um, or the way the panels like get laid out, really like oh, yeah. randomly like and stuff. Film. Yeah, it just really like everything flows into the next, and it's really just. Uh, is super engrossing and really amazing. It's a great opener for the comic. It just throws you into this action and just keeps it rolling, you know? Yeah. Um, so beautiful. Yeah. And just so, carnage. Oh, yeah. Slain's <laughs> just killed one Viking leader. Now, he, 
and now he's getting called out from all sides. Uh, he leaps into battle as we get these dynamic action shots that McMahon does so well. The men fight and trade insult. Even Uko gets in on the killing. Things get... Oh, dude. He saves Slane's life? Yeah. He stabs a guy in the back with a spear. And things get real staccato here. There's a page that has like 14 panels in it. Just this massive like yeah. individual pieces of action spread out around the page and stuff. It's amazing. And like a barely any text. Oh yeah, like no. It's through. just a total, just like one, like slain seeing guys and then him moving to attack them. And you get a lot of like individual face shots of slain and then just a picture of slain in motion attacking guys and things. That's really great. It's, it's just a lot great. of killing. Yeah. Meanwhile, Slaughthrot, the evil wizard Slane's protecting, uh, uh, begins to plan to take care of the second Skyblade ship coming after them. He sacrifices a passenger on board to power the Weirdstone that makes the Twitch. ship... Yeah. It makes the ship fly fast, and then he harnesses the Weirdstone's magic to make a nearby volcano erupt and take out the Skyblades. But a torrent of hot ash also hits Slane's ship. I mean, this is what's going to happen when you're next to an active volcano. You gotta walk you out, watch active. out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the Vikings go down in flames, and Slain isn't doing much better as the volcano sh- as the volcano blast capsizes his skyship. Uh, Slain <laughs> desperately holds the tiller to try to bring the ship into a controlled crash landing, but in the end, only Slain, Uko, a merchant, and Slough thought Throt survived the crash. Oh God. It's awesome. The, the four of them continue on foot or on Slane's back, in Oko's case, through a forest full of hungry beasts. <laughs> Shit gets turned up to 11. Yeah, it's, it's qu- like, Go ahead. We just got shot with a volcano. Now, do you know what's coming next? Massive boar attack! <laughs> <laughs> A giant boar rushes out of the undergrove to attack Slothrot. Slane dispatches it, and Throt uses its blood to draw a magic circle around them, because it seems as though Slaufeg, the evil leader of the Druns, has commanded Karnun, the the horned god, to destroy them, and suddenly just the entire forest appears (laughs) to attack them. Every living thing from bears to deer to rabbits all looking at them murderously held at bay by Throt's circle. It is my favorite picture I have ever seen in Slain ever. <laughs> Just the way McMahon draws it, it's like all the beasts, all these beasts are like angular with like angry eyes and massive teeth and stuff. And they just look so terrifying. It's amazing. Oh, it's super great. This is what happens when a, a god of animals just yeah. is determined to eat you with whatever mouth he can summon. Totally, yeah. 100% surrounded, Slain demands to know what Slaughthrot has done. And he explains, basically, he's stolen Slaughthfeg's plan for Ragnarok, the Day of Doom. Yeah. Um, it's how he's going to destroy the land of the young, including his own empire. He'll cause a terrible war, which will lead to an endless winter, and then a huge deluge to drown the world. And the way McMahon draws all these, like, again, all the way he draws all these fates coming to pass remains just super, I can't say enough about it, I gotta say. Well, it's in almost like a Celtic knot. Yeah, exactly. And everything is drawn inside of it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um... Throt wants to Beautiful. stop wants to stop Feg, but the merchant that survived with them is less than impressed. He starts to gesticulate <laughs> angrily, and when he does, his arm passes outside the circle. That the that, horse uh, just that, eats uh, it. Throt, but yeah, he just gets eaten alive by all the animals. It's amazing. So <laughs> there's like look, rats and toads coming after him. Yeah, just taking him out. It looks like so. It looks like Throt doesn't have the guts to go through with his own destruction, which Ragnarok would of course entail. And so he plans to betray Feg, and he'll pay Slane to help him do so. Uh, Slane is skeptical about this offer, <laughs> especially as a horde of giant worms swarms up from underground, from underneath the circle, and devours Slothrot and the secret plans. It's ama- It's ridiculous. It is super disgusting, and 100% happens. <laughs> Totally, yeah. No, it's just these like huge, like arm-sized worms come out of the ground and start eating them. So I, I mean, like I get wanting to distribute, you know, your literature on, you know, the the grand scheme of things to all of your super evil wizards. Uh huh. Um, I mean, it's if it's going to happen anyway, and and it was just those three things. 
Is it so bad that it falls into it? Like, how did he steal it? Why is it important? I, I mean, clearly just need to write it down. I think it's got the specifics in there, like how he's going to uh, start the war or like what spells he's going to use to make the winter and junk like that. Ah, uh, gotcha. And you give so it that, to another powerful wizard. Yeah, if you they, give it to to like the druids in the in the, in the north, and they'd be able to counteract some of these things, or like you know, like you remember uh, what's her name, a uh, 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 Maeve or whatever, the lady mm-hmm. that slain saved from the Burning Man, and then. Um, Slaufig ordered to go marry a, a member, one of the kings of the no- of the uh, of the northern tribes, like so descent. Oh, you know, shit, that's right. You'd be able to like see her coming and be like, "Not today, lady," and stuff like that. <laughs> that's that's how you'd say true. it. You'd say, "Not today, lady." <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, do you know what, Conrad? Yeah. <laughs> I love this conversation we just. <laughs> Anyhow, um, but I just want to so 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 Slane and Oko um wander off. They're like Oko's pretty sure that some force must have saved them instead of just killing them. Anyhow, because they were there, um, and he's sort of worried about that. Slane's sort of whatever, and they're just sort of heading off into the forest. the The important <laughs> thing to he- for to, to mention here, though, Fox, is that um this is actually the end. Of uh, Mick McMahon doing stuff on our show, like for the near future at oh. least. This is like his last um, time in 2080. He's been with us since the beginning. You know, he drew some of the first dreads. He's done stuff in all the dread mega epics, including Block Mania. He did a bunch of art on ABC Warriors and the VCs and stuff. Um, and it's sad to see him go, like for sure. He'll be wow. back. He'll be back for Prague 500, and then he'll be back way later in like the mid in like the mid thousands when he starts doing some more stuff for 2000 AD. And he's actually done some stuff pretty recently, but um, this is sort of the end of his, of him being on on our podcast for the next couple of years at least. That's insane. You know, he really went out on top with this Sky Chariots, which was so, which is this, uh, you know. Work it's of art, breathtaking. yeah. That is such an evolution, even from his slain stuff, which itself was an evolution from um, his dread stuff, um, and just going out really on top with this amazing, like, unforgettable storyline. Basically, it was it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, just I, it's really because when you started calling it out, it was one of these pages where you see him taking up like half of it. And it, he's in mid swing of an axe, just like jumping into mm-hmm. the other panels below, and it's yeah. just very arresting. Um, man, that sucks. This guy's a great artist. Yeah, McMahon's really awesome, and it's yeah, it's a super bummer to see him go. Um, you know, but it also sort of whatever. You know, we'll have more um, artists as they come in, and you know, it's important to sort of recognize these milestones and appreciate guys as they sort of do their work. I think you know. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Bella Dinelli takes over now, and we yes! start the uh, the Dragon Heist storyline. This one's a fun one. Um, it opens with a map of the Glamorland centered around uh, Crumlin Village, which I think maybe today is a suburb of Dublin, like the where uh, UFC fighter Conor, Conor McGregor came from. But that's Crumlin with an I, so I might be wrong. I don't know. Anyhow... <laughs> We're hanging out with uh, Guwal, uh, the younger in the sil- in the uh, or the youngest in the Silver Forest, looking for Bracken when he's attacked by a giant ugly dragon. Oh my god! And it's really hideous. And then we switch to like the dragon's perspective and yeah. hunting him, and it's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome because the dragon uh, seems to see by heat, like the predator, I guess. Um, and so he's able to. Tra- and so the dragon's able to track Guwal basically using like yeah like the heat that he's left behind. It tracks like the these glowing footprints as he goes. Um, when he gets to Guwal, he doesn't actually see him as a person. He sees him as just like his cardiovascular system, like pumping blood around his body. Um, he, he's got kind of a visible man look, I guess. Um, and it's really gross. Like when he screams in terror, all the dragons, the dragon sees the breath of the scream as this golden cloud coming out of the, uh, of, of his mouth and stuff. It's really amazing. It is fucking horrifying. It Bella is. Bella Dinelli does this 
so well. Just it, gross yeah. body horror. It's super horrifying, absolutely. And I really love how, again, he draw like you said, he draws the dragon as like a disgusting mass of like muscle and bone and stuff. There's nothing yeah. like romantic or like sleek or anything about this dragon the way they're so often um like betrayed. It's more just like here's this like, you know, super predator. That, like, you know, doesn't really look nice. It kind of looks like a, a, a beast that will eat you alive, you know? And I think it's Dude. really it's really great. Um, <laughs> I, he, I mean, I can't say it better myself. It's fucking gorgeous. Yeah. We rejoin Slane and Uko aboard a cart. It seems as though we're actually entering Wales. So forget what I said about Ireland. Um, also, <laughs> also aboard the cart is a druid who blames all the recent cold. Like, it's been a really bitter winter. On um on the drones, there also in the cart is a nest, a lady with super heavy freckles who's coming home from Druid College to take care of her family farm, her family <laughs> dragon farm. College, yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> and then there's a Kikva, a local fishwife, a lady who like sort of makes sure that the fish keep biting and are able to feed people. Um, who's from the same town as Nest, and like, who thinks Nest thinks she's better than her, basically. She's kind of in that, uh, oh, you went to Druid College, huh? You think you're better than me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that that voice is fucking stuck in my head as I'm reading through this. Hey, yo, my sons have been killed. Hey! Anyhow, um, oh my god um yeah so Ness family has has this dragon farm apparently uh, but that seems to be questioned when the carriage is stopped by kikva's sons who tell her that uh gual the guy who we saw previously has been killed is apparently one of her sons and he was killed by a dragon Oh my god, well, she's got a dragon farm, must be her dragon. That's right, Nest is dragged out to be executed on the spot. She kind of, like, tries to explain herself. Oh, dude, like, it's horrible. Like, all of our dragons have their whip wings clipped, it couldn't have been them. And they're like, well, what about your bull dragon, the Nooker? It can fly. And she's like, no, please, don't just kill me on the street. And, um, and, and it's like, really Uko, horrible. Uko slain and the other druid are just, like, sitting in the back of the cart, like, ah, oh, you know, that's life, like, Keep going. Get out of here. We got to keep keep this cart rolling. It's so horrific. Like, <laughs> they're dragging this girl out, and you're seeing all these shots for being dragged through the forest by her arm, and them just, like, raising weapons ready to kill her. It's, like, really fucked. And then Slain and okay, Slain's just sitting back. Slain the Druid is kind of, like, sitting there. Like, hey, okay, so, like, why, is it, why are we still stopped? Let's get going. Um, and the driver of the cart explains that with the nooker on the loose, he's afraid to uh, to move to keep moving, and that gives Slain an idea. <laughs> a a flying dragon? Heck, we could steal that thing and fly the rest of the way back to my tribe in style. <laughs> Let's go save this chick. Therefore, dragon heist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so awesome. It's like a, a, a player character just suddenly turned on in his head, and he's like, "What dragon quest?" Okay, and Oko uh, comes along, complaining the whole way, and that's it for Slain. Next time, Dark Inheritance. Dude, that's so fuck yeah, man. We're gonna steal a dragon. That's right. A dragon. Yeah, sees through people's skin <laughs> i mean yeah there's gonna be a whole lot of dragon stuff coming up it's gonna be real fun um i really like this story um there's some fun characters in it and it's going to sort of inform slain uh slain going forward as well awesome should be good yeah and speaking of uh you know we were talking about slain and oko but speaking of two real friends to the end fox oh is it me and you it's me and you and it's thrill to dr and quench that seems yeah that's like me and you i mean you know i don't think we ever served in the army together but otherwise yeah absolutely i mean let's not say never oh that's true yeah we're just college kids out here uh killing destroying things indiscriminately and trying to and explain that it's not our fault Script robot Perfect. for D, exactly. Script robot for DR and Quinch, Alan Moore. Art robot Alan Davis, letting robot Steve Potter. So DR and Quinch, college students, aliens, idiots, and psychopaths have been drafted into the space army. But due to, due to those last two qualities, the uh, idiot and psychopath part, uh, they were quickly put in the brig for accidentally nuking their own base. During an escape attempt, DR is bumped into another prisoner, his, or I guess another person, just his old girlfriend, <laughs> Cryoprasia, aka Crazy Crazy. Man, I'm glad she's back, because she was kind of, I mean, I liked her. But it only yeah. took him, like, a 
like one comic for her to no, come back. So I mean, I'm hoping she's in it for the long haul, maybe. There's a couple in, in, in between, I'd say. Um, but yeah, she's not pleased to see him. She kicks the crap out of him and calls him a scumpot, so among other things. <laughs> it appears that in escaping the prison of their own guys, they've tunneled into a penal stockade of the enemy, the Gyoji. Chrissy explains that in be- Chrissy explains in between punches that <laughs> she's had to work as a mercenary for the Gyogians in order to survive after escaping from the institution her dad put her in when she went crazy because of Quinch's brainwashing attempts. It could be worse, I guess. Yeah, it's something. The beating is interrupted by the return of Dr. and Quinch's buddy, Polger, in a hail of soap bubbles, because he's got that big gun that he carved out of soap. It's <laughs> real great. Presumably a very big bar of soap. Uh, he w- Serious question, though. Was he able to defeat the Snufflegruff in the tunnels below, <laughs> Fox? The answer's like, absolutely not. 100% no, he wasn't. <laughs> like, I mean, how was I going to do that? Now we got to run. <laughs> with, which, oh, which, it's real good. So now they're running through the forest with the Gyogians hot on their trail. They make their way through the slime jungles and right into the guns of the Space Marines. <laughs> Suddenly, both sides singing their fight songs bump into each other with DR and Quench in the middle. Charge! <laughs> so great. I, I love their little songs that they were singing at each totally. other. Yeah, the uh, one's like a like a like a the ants go marching one by one kind of thing, and the other one's like a onward Gyojian soldiers kind of thing. Dude. <laughs> so surrounded by soldiers, the DR wonders why they can't all just get along. He describes a vision he had where a fantastically <laughs> impressive baritone voice said, "We should all love each other, or else." But no one seems to be buying it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Polger then tries Plan B, which is to sort of vamp and say that he's a famous film actress as he wears his tattered evening gown, <laughs> and it's, that seems uh... to all—that seems to almost work. But <laughs> suddenly, a giant ship appears in the sky. Is it the baritone Whoa. voice Dr. talked about? <laughs> nah, man, it's Ernest's mom. Well, yeah, I mean, you know. No, yeah, it's a giant monster creature that just pours forth from the ship, squashes everyone to death under its massive feet, and yeah, yeah, it's 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 Quinch's mom, buddy. She's come to pick him up in response to Dr.'s letter last episode, where I believe he called Quinch an idiot like five or six times. Oh, I I'm just like I'm so impressed at the nonchalance of her squelching a bunch of people. She just takes them all down, man. They fly off enjoying tea and scones in Quinch's mom's awesome ship. DR Giant scones. It's really adorable. Yeah, like body-sized scones. As he looks out the window, DR sees the answer to all the senseless violence that affects us as a as a, as a galactic society. But you know, he didn't write it down, so it couldn't have been that important, <laughs> I guess. Um, Man, you can't expect me to remember. It's just like that's how things go. Yeah, you know. Come on, whatever. <laughs> exactly. Anyhow, that's it for DR and Quinch. They'll return in Prague 366, 363 with DR and Quinch go to Hollywood. Awesome. I'm into it. It's going to be real good. I'm going to be having to, I'm going to push myself to the limits to try to figure out who all the caricatures in that one are. I'm pretty excited about it. Oh my gosh. It's a Marlon Brando one. It's good. Um, anyhow. Conrad has a fantastic knowledge of pop culture things. I, I mean, to an extent, like, I feel like I'm going to be real stoked when you get to like the eight, get to like the nineties and I'm really in my wheelhouse, you know? The, uh, the seventies stuff has really been a challenge. And the, like the fact that it's like the, that it's, um, what you call it? That's the seventies and it's England really like, you know, it's hard to pick it up. Oh man. There's only like, it's only been recently that I've even seen things that I know. It's, you know, like, like, like what? Uh, so, like, Krull. Fair enough. <laughs> like, that's, I saw that and I was like, oh man, Krull's awesome. Yeah. I mean, totally. I guess the Star Wars, but, like, yeah. I don't get the winks and the nods in here nearly no, as much know. as you do. You find actors in here, like, I don't even know. I'm trying my best, you know, I'm just trying to bring bring the information to the people. Anyhow, <laughs> speaking of, um, I guess popular celebrities, the who people... <laughs> celebrities who people knows something about oh my god it's thrill three judge dread 
depiction bad boy. It's terrible. I know. I know. It's a really bad joke. That's right. It's perfect. Uh, yeah. Speaking of things that'll come back to haunt me, fuck. Oh, God. Script robot for Judge Dredd is John Wagner and Alan Grant as T.B. Grover. Art robot Ron Smith and Brett Ewan's letting robot Tom Frame. Citizen Snork! Oh, man. This this collector has just stolen a nose, but let's check out his really weird house. Yeah, Citizen Snork is a young lad. What's on the run from the collector? Uh, The collector's a guy who collects human oddities and keeps them in a macabre display room in his apartment. It's, it's just got weird. a lot of heads and body parts and even a few just fully stuffed people. And I just want to give a shout out here, of course, to Where Eagles Dare, who um, in, in Eagle Comics, there's also a character called The Collector who has a, a big collection of junk that he uses to sort of tell future shocks, essentially. And this guy's way cooler than that guy. Sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so this collector has stolen the biggest nose ever, or so he thinks. In fact, he's stolen the runner-up nose of Herbivore Bung. Oh my god. Yeah, now Judge Dredd lies in wait to catch the collector because he knows that he'll be back to take Citizen Snork's giant jewel-tipped nose. <laughs> That's how you know it's real, man. Yeah, it's got that, uh, it's got the diamond pin in the front of it. It's not even like a nose ring. It's just like a, like a, like a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer kind of thing. <laughs> it's real weird. It's true. The bait is soon taken as the collector arrives impersonating Snork's father, the Easy Glider. Um, the collector takes Snork hostage as Dread intervenes, and the collector escapes oh, by God. tossing Snork, Snork nose first into the garbage grinder. Which, oh, geez. I mean, would be super horrific, but he seems to be kind of... He seems more cool than I would be. <laughs> yeah, me getting any part of me stuck in the garbage grinder? Absolutely. Dread shoots Snork free by blowing his nose off. And then... Sorry. Here's my here's my joke here. Uh, Dread shoots Snork free of the grinder and the collector free of life, sending him plumbing <laughs> to the nearby rooftop. <laughs> wow. Because he shoots the collector free of life. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. Um, anyhow, the collector is identified and his collection is found... The parts to be redistributed to the owners or next of kin. While Citizen Snork is fitted with an artificial nose, he takes the Rob Smith model, presumably an in-joke to editor Robin Smith at the time, and his butterfly flight of fame is over. (laughs) Oh, wow. Citizen Snork! (laughs) Fun stuff from Ron Smith here. But now Brett Ewins takes over in his first dread since the DNA Man in Prague 115. Um... We open on Sector House 9, one of the hundreds of control area stations around Mega City 1. That's a pretty typical scene, I guess. It's full of, like, criminals Uh, being processed, um, citizens reporting crime. Yeah, yeah. Some person reporting their dog being, being missing and someone else reporting them being, themselves being, being bitten by a dog or a a robo dog in both cases, I guess. Um, (laughs) yeah, just, just, just general chaos, I guess. Um, there's one guy who I really like who's covered in clocks in the foreground. Oh, yeah. All the clocks show a different time, which makes me think he's some sort of weird cult or something like yeah, well, something and, of that and nature. And then over the loudspeaker, they're like, uh, that you can uh, come and collect your shoulder clock from Lost Property. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. He's waiting for one of his shoulder yeah. clocks. He needs to get those clocks back, man. Um, anyhow, Dred's here to investigate the death of the Sector Chief. He travels through the massive underground sections of the Sector House to get there. It looks like a suicide, but judges don't commit suicide. You know, <laughs> unless they're faking their own death to a fool sob invaders, I guess. Because <laughs> that's what Dredd did. Anyhow, something's up. Oh. <laughs> Espe- um, um, especially when, when we go to the Sector Chief's quarters, and it's clearly like 100% haunted. Like, Jesus Christ, this place is haunted. <laughs> Levels of haunted. <laughs> it's like 20 degrees too cold there's cobwebs everywhere there's just blood flowing from one of the walls like we just got to get side division up here jesus christ <laughs> um, Jeez. in comes judge geller a judge with an on tread bobbed with a shaved side haircut and possibly named after either uh yuri geller the magician or new assistant editor simon geller or probably the both of them at the same time i'd guess um, 
Anyhow, he scans the room to get a, um, and gets a sense of shapeless, brooding evil, but can't figure out more than that. Wow. What's clear is that whatever it is is not done with Sector House 9. Side Division is uh, working real hard. <laughs> I mean, you know, he gets some general senses. That's fine. Um, yes. Geller stays in the chief's room to uh, check it overnight as Judge Patel sets up surveillance to watch him as, you know, just business as usual continues in the sector house otherwise. Geller I, mean, I, is it, I feel yeah. like they had to have watched horror movies at some point to know that this is a bad idea. I mean, to an extent, but, like, a lot of these guys are pretty well tamed by side division also. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen other stories of, like, Judge Anderson, like, the uh, in the 2080 annual, there's a Judge Anderson story where she just kind of just sh- dives into some dude's mind and punches the demon in the face and arrests him. And, like, that's good enough, you know? Like... At this point, you know they've they've got some they've got some positive responses to de- to ghosts and demons generally, you know. So it's not I, I just do like, like how nonchalant Judge Shred was. It's just like, yeah, yeah. It's, this seems like a this seems like a ghostly type. Really. Yeah, it's not it's not like the old days where like this stuff's all mysterious and you have to spend the first half of the story just as so establishing that there are ghosts and psychic stuff, you know. <laughs> like like yeah, okay, this is like this is as red, so we can deal with it, you know. Yeah. Um, Excellent. Yeah, Geller's in the chief's room. It gets colder and colder, and then the lights go out and the monitors go haywire. Dread rushes to the room and finds it locked. He tries to shoot it open as Geller's hair stands on end, and the blood from the wall starts to form into Ugh. an evil shape. It's real gross. Yeah, Geller's frozen in place as the blood turns into a creepy hand that walks toward him as Dread blows open the door. As the hand crawls to Geller's throat, Dread feels an unknown power move his lawgiver toward his own head. Yeah, right, man. This is Judge Damn Dread. Yeah, luckily Judge Dread has an iron will and resists the attack <laughs> and then shoots the hand off of Geller. Suddenly... A bunch of mouths appear on the wall. Rot you, Judge Dredd! They scream, and then a whole bunch of other insults. Just basically saying he's going to pay, and then then they disappear. It's real gross. (laughs) There was a mouth on one of the mouths. Yeah, their mouths, grown mouths, it's real tough. Unfortunately, Geller wasn't able to pick up anything new, but it's clear that a psychic force has... A psychic force has it in for Sector House 9. Uh, not a good situation yeah it's tough man meanwhile in a, in a questioning room uh, everything's flying around poltergeist style and elsewhere walls are collapsing on people uh, J- Dreaded grabs uh, Judge Patel who's in charge of the sector house at the moment and they walk outside where the ghost in the sector house can't hear him and Dredd's like fine we got this ghost is going crazy so we gotta quietly evacuate the sector house because there's no telling what this, sec- what this spirit might do jeez real rational seems I mean, right yeah, I mean, again, it's one of these things where it's like uh, the first two or three times you deal with ghosts, it's like, whoa, what are these ghosts? What's going on? You know, but a couple hundred times later, it's like, all right, like, you know, we have a standard operating procedure for this, too. Like, whatever, you know, um, <laughs> there's a lot. There's enough ghosts in Mega City 1 to necessitate a side division, Fox. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> That's true. And just as many of them as they can get. Yeah. So, Sector House 9 is being emptied, including body a body from the morgue that suddenly grows a second mouth and attacks a judge. Whoa! It's real, real weird. Suddenly, the whole place is full of zombies attacking people, and when bullets won't stop them, judges grab riot foam and plaster the zombies in place. Just I feel great. like that's the best response for a zombie attack. Yeah, just stick stick them there. They're fine. Whatever. We'll deal with it later. <laughs> um, great zombie art by Ewan's here. I love when he draws like zombie type guys. You know, at the top of the building, Geller has called in Judge Omar, who's got a Judge Turban and is the head of Side Division. Uh, it's kind of awesome. It's pretty awesome. Omar's a cool dude. We're going to see him a bit as, as time goes by. Um, awesome. Whoever is haunting the sector house is either st- is still alive or recently dead based on his evaluations, but he's got psychic blocks up defending him so they can't figure out who it is. 
Um, but that's a living trick. Yeah. With the sector house nearly empty, one of the video screens go crazy. It's got a ghost mouth that breaks out of it and starts yelling at judges. Um, it bursts at the screen and like attacks the tech. And a giant mouth animates above. It yells at Judge, at Judge Dredd for clearing out the sector house. He spoiled his revenge. Now you're going to pay. Hurrah. Yeah. And the whole room, the whole sector house starts to rip itself apart, even damaging Judge Dredd's helmet. Oh, my God. We see one judge die in the destruction just caught in a big, like, her, uh, t- a cyclone that carries him <laughs> up into the sky, basically. Um, it's horrible. Meanwhile, everybody else manages to get down to the basement and escape on bikes, bl- uh, blasting their way out. Sector House 9 belongs to the ghost, but Dredd isn't going to let that stand. The judges are the law in this city. It's awesome. Next time, straight from the horror's mouth. <laughs> Super cool. God, Judge Dredd, man. This um, this is, like, right now, one of my favorite things. <laughs> it's a great story. Right? This is a real classic Judge Dredd story, actually. Um, really? And, yeah, and I really love Brett Ewan's art on it. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's what really sells it is just sort of this, um, uh, you know, so often we, like, y- 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 Oh, sorry. Using Dredd to tell kind of a horror story about like poltergeists and stuff is a real cool idea and a real change from, you know, how they normally do Dredd. So it's really neat to just kind of see like Brett Ewan's really go give it his all with these cool characters and stuff. Like the character design on both the side judges are, is really great. Um, and sort of just also combine that with some of the stuff I like. That's a sort of day in the life in Mega City One things. This story really has a lot going that that's really going, going in, in its favor. Like for sure. I agree. I like ghosts and psychics. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I will tell you, like, uh, if there's one thing that this comic's been really generous with lately, it's all the weird, stupid, boyish fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, they will try to, um, you know, I mean, that's what they're literally trying to do, right? They're literally trying to be like, hey, like, um, I mean, they're honestly getting a little older now, but it's like, hey, um, like, eight to eight to 14 year old or maybe 16 year old like look at this comic it's got the stuff you like you know (laughs) (laughs) so highly accurate and you know that's why it's been so popular all these years i guess and speaking of uh tharg and his various machinations it's non-thrills covers and nerve centers (laughs) he's got some good ones uh this time around yeah they're okay the mouse and stuff Absolutely. So we start with uh, Prague 358. Um, it's kind of interesting here. The, I talked about this last episode too, but we've got a uh, Cam Kennedy doing the Slain, co- doing the cover for Slain. So it's not mm. Mick McMahon doing it, which is kind of interesting, but it's the Sky Chariots of Fire! Ah, uh, yeah! In the nerve center, Thargy Mouse gives us the bad news. Uh, editor droid Bert has left the nerve center, at, um, which is basically mi- mirroring in real life as assistant editor Richard Burton has gone to edit the magazine Big K, a computer magazine. Uh, he actually left right at the end huh. of, it, of 1983, um, around Prague 349. But, you know, he'll be back later. He'll be back, um, in the 500s. And he'll become, th- and he'll actually become Tharg, the main editor of 2000 AD in Prague 520. Oh, dude. Um, you know, so that's sort of time to come. There's a picture claiming DR and Quint are innocent. They're definitely not. Um, <laughs> letters include an IRL sighting of Rogue Trooper and a mannequin set, which is sort of some blue mannequins, I guess. Huh. A nomination for someone to be named a city block. And then smart response, and then, you know, joke responses to a video game ad. And a question slash compliment about research for Slain. In Prague 359, a demonic attack on the Heart of Justice. As Brett Ewan does the, Ewan's is the first haunting of Sector House 9 cover. In the Nerve Center, oh, it's good. Nope, I didn't say anything. Alright. In the Nerve Center, Tharg the Wonder Horse mentions the Green Goddess, who I Uh. guess is this lady, Diana Moran, who did an aerobic segment on BBC One's Breakfast Time show, and she normally wore a uh, a green leotard, so they called her the Green Goddess. And Tharg's like, the, huh. the only green deity here is Tharg. <laughs> oh my god, dude. It's definitely not a reference to like some sort of advertisement for Green Goddess salad dressing, which is what I initially assumed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Letters include a kid who's decorated his tape recorder with Rogue Trooper stuff, a letter from a unique reader, a female Australian reader who plays the trombone, another who's wallpapered his room with dread posters, there's questions about Tharg origin, Tharg's origins, and a complaint that uh, people that live far from London don't have a chance of winning some contests because they take like the first 10 replies. And so if you live in like Scotland, like it takes, you know, it takes time for the prog to get to you and then for your letters to get to the nerve center in London, basically. Oh yeah. So Tharg suggests a more, um, a more fair way to figure out these um, results. Oh, cool. Yeah. Mid prog is a fun ad for dig Dug, the video game. (laughs) There's yeah, also, boy. Yeah, man. There's also ads for Bert's new magazine's Big K, complete with art by uh by Brett Ewens, I think. Um, mm. Then there's also an ad for the forthcoming Scream comic, which will come with a pre a free pair of vampire fangs when you buy it. Whereas <laughs> I like to call them mouth cutty uh, saliva creators. Oh yeah, they're gonna mess up your. Don't wear them too long. Your dentist's gonna be real pissed. <laughs> really. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's just like adding a retainer onto your stuff. Like you're eating Halloween candy, and you're just soaking your 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 <laughs> mouth and sh- your teeth in sugary saliva from your vampire teeth. It's no good. Um, oh my god! This prog, yeah, think about it. This prog ends with an excellent pinup of of uh, Mike McMahon, drawn by Robin Smith as a cool barbarian artist man. <laughs> He's cutting his pencil. He's shaving it. With Definitely. An X. I love how it says uh, in, in in the upper left corner. It says a uh, star pinup. In the Ogham alphabet, the uh, the slain oh, like, awesome. like writing alphabet, you know. <laughs> um, Prog 360, it's alive! Brett Ewens does a second Sector House 9 cover. This one's definitely real iconic with Judge Geller's hair standing on end as a ghostly <laughs> hand appears and stuff. Like if you're doing... It's all goofy. Yeah, if you're doing a montage of Judge, of uh, 2000 AD covers, this one's got to be in there, like 100%. <laughs> so great. In the nerve center, Tharg the chef gives us the bad news, which is the price of the prog is going up to 22 pence oh, next episode. Oh my god, dude. I'm so angry. There's a picture of uh, Judge Budge, uh, who's a budgie bird. You know, I am the claw. <laughs> Letters include... Wow. Questions about what will happen in the year 2000, as always, grandma's reading 2000 AD, a 2000 AD addict, someone reading 2000 AD in a diving bell underwater, and a letter from the High Commission for Cruelty to Robots saying that Dark should stop Rigelian hot-shotting his droids. Hey, man. He does what he wants, man. He's got to do labor his own way, especially with the strike coming up later in 1984. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Mid Prague, we get the 1984 reader survey. A big part of the reader survey this year is this push poll for a fortnightly Judge Dredd focused comic. Um, like every two months, it'd be a Judge Dredd story, ba- or there'd be a, a, a whole Judge Dredd sto- uh, comic. Mm-hmm. Like, cause, and the stories, and, and it's definitely a push pull, cause it's like, well, okay, like, here's this thing that it'd be. Like, how much, how many copies of this would you buy? Like, all of them? Some of them? <laughs> like, what would you pay for it? 55 pence? 20 pence? You know, like, all would that not stuff. Not buy it all. Uh, probably shouldn't. Uh, but wow. sadly, while they actually got pretty far in the development of this story, including, like, writing a couple, you know, bu- uh, paying for scripts and starting art for it and stuff, um, they did a mock-up and it was rejected by the IPC brass. Oh my god, really? Which is a super bummer. It sounds really cool, just like in, in Thrill Power Overload, they have kind of a section about it, um, where they talk about, like, the stories they were planning to have. There's going to be, like, a, a comedy soap opera drawn by Jose Casanovas, set oh, in, like, the man, blocks. Oh, man, that guy's great. Yeah. There's going to be a story about a judge on the long walk by Alan Moore, a, a, oh. a future western called Hell Trackers, and a, a future oh. war story called Bad Company. Um, sadly, you know, this was, this never came to be, but a lot of these comics, uh, we'll see at least partially, if not completely in the progs or in annuals and specials, basically. Okay, cool. Um, like Hell Trekkers, for instance, will definitely be in the later part of 1984. Um, they sort of, you know, start burn these off for different parts of, uh, the, of, of the comics. Man, that sounds great. Yeah. It's too bad. You know, it's one of these lost opportunities for sure, you know? 
Um, that's mostly just, you know, they don't give a reason for rejecting it, but it's mostly just, um, yeah, IPC not wanting to be great. Just, yeah, they, it just happened. They hate 2000 AD and everything about it. <laughs> like, they're real, oh, God. it's real funny, um, at this, in, in this part of like Thrill Power Overload, they interview a couple guys that were sort of higher ups in, in IPC and they talk, they like are literally like the angry Dean from like a Revenge of the Nerds movie. Like those 2000 AD guys, I should have canceled them and I had the chance. You know? Oh my it's god! Ridiculous. I like uh, I like uh, you associating this with a popular comedy series from the seventies, eighties. I mean, you know, that's my that's my main source of a, of a fist shaking authority figures. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's very true. Anyhow, um, this prog also has a mighty micro page. Uh, which has a pixel drawing of Judge Death and a bunch of computer game reviews. And there's now a format for these listing the memory required, the thrill level, and if you need a joystick and the price. There's also some in, some high scores and an in-depth review of the game Valhalla. And then this prog ends with a pinup of Crazy Chrissy with a pair of guns, some murdered teddy bears, and a nice picture of DR. She looks good. Yeah. She knows she looks good. Uh, prog 361, Enter the Dragon. Ian Gibson draws a dragon seeing the frightened inside oh, of a victim. Jesus. And it's real gross and real cool. <laughs> oh, my God. In the uh, in the nerve center, Tharg the Samurai ap- apologizes for the two Oof. pence price increase. Now it's 22 pence. Like, let's all do a riot. <laughs> but he announces that they're having a free games contest to make up for it. There's a picture of DR oh, cool. Trooper. Yeah, it's okay. Picture uh, Questions <laughs> about... Being involved in the next killing, what's up with the Rosette of Sirius, a letter about dreams of 2000 AD, and a request for thanks that Anjana Rajalian hotshot! Oh my god. Mid-prog, it's the contest, it's mostly to get a, con- a, a copy of this game, Ghost Town, an adventure game that was programmed by a 16-year-old uh, 2000 AD reader, and then a whole bunch of oh. other uh, uh, games and uh, 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 for offer as well. There's also a Rogue Trooper action figure, quote-unquote, which is basically a paper doll you're supposed to cut out and uh, assemble. Yeah. And, mm. like, just looking at it, I feel like the art is too complex for this to actually be a successful cutout and, uh, and assemble, you know. But I also it's still feel funny like to see it. Yeah. No, one, no one likes a paper doll, man. I think... People like these things. I think kids like these, you know, of, of the time. Remember, like, there's no, there's no Nintendo to play. <laughs> like, there's no video games. There's barely any TV shows. Like, you gotta find ways to occupy your time. Whether it's the crossword puzzle in an annual, or making a paper doll from the back cover of your 2018. I mean, maybe, you know? maybe it's more awesome than I'm giving it credit for, but I'd rather eat chalk. I'm not saying it's awesome. I'm just saying that it's a time. <laughs> it fills, it fills the day. <laughs> Cutting something up and then setting it up. That's right. Hey, and speaking of setting things up, Fox, oh it's my God. Thrill Four Strontium Dog. <sighs> Strontis. I yeah. love this comic. Script about Alan Grant, art robot colors to scare, letting about Tony Jacob. So, uh, Johnny Alpha, mutant bounty hunter, and his buddy Wolf are taking part in the in a in the death ritual slash battle royale, the killing. It's down to just them and the four remaining Osmong brothers, all smiles. It's real good. Yeah. They get mortared, but then they, they survive. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, they dodge an Osmong mortar, and Johnny use, uh, goes to fire back, but he's out of number four cartridges and only has one number three cartridge left. Oh, my God. Instead, so number fours. He's used a couple. Instead, he uses his life wire bullet, which is this grappling hook thing we've seen him use before. And he, instead of, but instead of to pulling, to pull himself up, he uses it to pull down a chimbley on the head of one of the Osmogs, crushing him to death. <laughs> Whoops. And then, uh, like any good, uh, attack situation, just uh, get into the sewers. Yeah, like in classic 2080 fashion, our guys take to the sewers to outflank the Osmongs, coming up behind them and declaring their warrants. It's showdown time. But awesome. as, you know, as always, Fox with, uh, Strontium Dog, showdown time, the, uh, the dogs <laughs> kick their asses, basically. Uh, they explode things. <laughs> they take down two of the Osmongs right away, and uh, the final one dives behind cover, which Johnny takes out with the number three cartridge. Johnny yeah. offers the final Osmong a chance to be taken alive, 
but the toothy alien doesn't take it and dies for his trouble. Man, it's just they kill them all so fast. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, man, they're like gunplay guys. They know what they're doing in this, you know, semi-Western science fiction story. The so despots of Zed are stoked to see these friends now fight <laughs> to the death. But instead, they walk to the castle of the despots and call them out. They've got what they care, where they came from, from the bounties. And, uh, they don't care about winning the prize, basically. Like, death well, matches are not cool. Like, get over it. <laughs> it's pretty great. So how do they get out of this sticky situation? Like, as Wolf yells at them a little bit more for being, like, too bloody and stuff, uh, Johnny activates his secondary weapon, the time bomb! Super awesome. And they warp like a second or two away to a predetermined location in the middle of some dude's fancy picnic, and the killing is ended! Hooray! And next time, please don't have me teleport right into the dude's picnic. Seriously. On his lunch. Yeah. Johnny and Wolf go to collect their bounties while the despots go to oh, atone awesome. for a failed killing at the Temple Bell Tower we saw last episode. And as they do, they accidentally step on the landmine that Steel Krieg left there. Whoa! Oh, it's so great. Oh, so they, they got their just desserts. Yeah, and for not completing the killing, they were in fact cursed because they died. It's really, really great. Yeah, and so that's the end of the killing. Johnny, Wolf, and the Gronk will return in Prague 363 <gasps> next episode. And, and the Gronk? Yeah, buddy. Oh, man, I'm so happy. You guys have just been on mission, like, off-planet, you know, so they haven't had the chance to take the Gronk with them. But now they're going to go back, and it's Gronk time. It's time for some R&R with the, the Hartzes. That's right. And speaking of uh, exciting continuing stories for 2008 characters, Fox. Aw, uh, yeah. It's Thrill 5 Rogue Trooper. What up, Troop? Yeah. Script robot Jerry Finley Day, art robot Cam Kennedy, letting robot Bill, Bill Nuttall. So it's the start of the story, You Only Die Twice, a fairly big uh, rogue, rogue Trooper story here. Yeah, this, like, from front to back, man, was nuts. Yeah, Rogue is on the move as a scum shower falls, but suddenly there's a Nord Patrol! Uh, Rogue kills a couple, and they seem to surrender with a white flag and everything. But as they approach, Gunner shoots them all down! Whoa! What the hell, Gunner? Yeah, Bagman mutes Gunner's chip by applying a nullifier block to it. But Rogue is suddenly curious. He inspects the flagpole and finds that the tip is full of poison barbs. And maybe oh my God. Gunner knew about that that booby trip trap, perhaps. Um, as Rogue consi uh, considers this, a dying Nort pulls a hand grenade hidden in the pole as well and throws oh it back at Rogue. And Rogue hits it away from him using Gunner like a baseball bat. Which is the first time he's ever done that. Usually he hits those things away with Helm. It's true. I, uh, that, that, that's actually pretty true now that I'm thinking about it. Um, he's still, and Rogue is, is still knocked out by the blast, even though he, he uh, hit the, the grenade away. When he mm -hmm. comes to, he looks for his weapons, but finds that it was destroyed in the explosion. <gasps> Gunner! Oh my god. He's been blown to smithereens, and this is just a great final page. They put Rogue in the back cover for this one in full color, which is real nice. Although he's maybe a little purple in the first few panels, but whatever. <laughs> he's so sad, man. And yeah. like, in no time at all, the other chips are like, yep, he's dead. Let's leave. You know, life is cheap when you're already dead, I suppose. Uh, Gunner's yeah. been destroyed. There's no time to mourn because Rogue needs a gun. He sneaks into a Nort-sealed ammo dump. Uh, and, and he has Bagman open the door R2-D2 style and I, looks, okay, I'm looks so for guns. Okay, I'm so glad you said it. <laughs> yeah, it's the, he takes that little probe and puts it in like a spinny circle thing for the lock. That's totally R2-D2, buddy. <laughs> so We then get a gun version of the getting ready for prom montage from various high school movies as <laughs> Rogue wow. tries all these different guns and... Uh, you know, dismisses them until finally he settles on a four-barreled pistol. A master blaster. Oh, my God. He, uh, he takes out a couple of Norts with it and makes good his escape with a belt of ammo around his neck. He then spends a few days getting used to the gun, and now it's good to go, but he needs more ammo, so he swipes some more from a Nort ammo dump. But as he is, but as he escapes into some canon canyons, he hears Nort Troop Hoppers coming, and he realizes that there's a Homer in the Bandolier. They've I'm tricked him. You, man, it's the smartest thing they've ever done. 
Seriously, they've tricked them, and now they're going to pay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like they've just thrown so many people at this guy before, and none of them have made it out alive. It's really true. Uh, Rogue is pinned down in this canyon, but maybe he can buy some time, he figures. He has one of the chips pretend to be Gunner, begging Rogue to let him waste the Nort troops. And the Norts get down like, oh, that gun's deadly, we gotta hide! Um, <laughs> they buy it for a while, at least long enough, for the suns to set and Rogue to work his magic, hiding in shadows and letting the Norts attack each other, thinking that it's him. The Norts retreat, and Rogue tries to gun them down, but doesn't have the range. Um, but then the Nort Hopper is ex- uh, explodes anyway. Who could oh fire that shot? That voice. It's Gunner with a body. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> Gunner hops down. He's been regened. He's got a body again. Rogue is skeptical, but Bagman's scan comes back clean. It seems that the nullifier thing that, that they put on his chip protected Gunner's biochip from the explosion. It was found by some body looters who then sent it back to Millicom. So Gunner's back, alive, and now he's got some awesome telekinesis he can use to mentally call his gun to him. Which, what? I guess, man. The uh, the other chips are over the moon about this, but Rogue is worried, because what if this is all a trick or something? It's almost always a trick. And he's real jealous, because Gunner's got these awesome powers now. Anyhow, next time, <laughs> Gunner's a big boy now. <laughs> oh, wow. What, this is like if I named a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, fun Rogue Trooper stuff. I like him sort of being like, well, I gotta get a new gun and like trying that out. And it's real fun to see, um, like Gunner come back and just how like the other chips are really jealous of him and stuff like that. It's kind of cool. So I mean, like these, so these situations, like the chips are the actual stakes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, obviously rogue's life as well he's the hero and all of that but like yeah we haven't done too much with them other than some like low low rent kind of world building for each of them other than venus blue jeans like that one's clearly very yeah like deep-seated but there hasn't been a lot with them Mm-mm. that's that's been like they are clearly in danger uh bagman i guess got scratched that one time but right. that doesn't seem to come up anymore at all hasn't really come up in a long in a while that's right so but this yeah. felt like pretty intense. It was like very engaging, and you know, I you kind of figure something's going to happen, but yeah, it's definitely a cool opportunity to sort of expand and reveal some character for the for these chips and uh, and Rogue mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I like it. It's awesome. Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, what strange stories, interesting customs. It's like a like a biochip having telekinesis or whatever. It's Thrill Six, Future Shocks, Time Twisters, and Tharg the Mighty. Oof. So, Oof. yeah, so for real. First one, first we got a funny custom script about Alan Hebden, art robot Jose, Jose Casanova, sledding robot Steve Potter. Yay, Casanovas. Yeah, definitely. He, th- this one's a fun one. Gives Casanovas a chance to draw some crazy ass aliens, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, for a long time we haven't had any future shocks. We had some last episode, but just like yeah. one, one or like two progs worth. We're gonna start getting some more as sort of um, we reach the end of some of these stories, and they sort of and they're sort of, we're sort of waiting for the next big round of stories to pick back up, basically. I got you, filler. You know. Yeah, it's always their function. Exactly. So funny customs. Um, First up, it's, you know, we've got Officer Jones is his first day at the customs office at a big spaceport. Um, a whole bunch of crazy aliens come in. Casanova's really going, going nuts with these ridiculous alien guys. Um, and Jones has to ask them like the standard sort of entry in the, at, at port things. He gets in trouble for questioning a fish man <laughs> who's from a species that never breaks the law. Um, and oh he gets almost killed when he grabs a handbag shaped tentacle monster oh with a human shaped trunk. <laughs> so, so funny. This disgusting, massive, uh, gross tendrils. I think it's kind of interesting because that's the one that sends him around the bend. If it was me, I I, I feel like you, you want to have like a third one in here too. But uh, yeah. whatever. The handbag with the man for a trunk sends Jones crazy and gets carted off. It's hard out here for a customs inspector in the future. <laughs> I guess. It does feel like there they're wanted to be a third one because it's like comedy in threes, right? Exactly. Um, so next up, it's the long haul scripter about uh, Chris Louder as Jack Adrian, our robot Massimo Bellardinelli, letting robot Peter Knight. 
Yeah, time twisters. Yeah, this is sort of a regular old time twister thing. Is a very meltdown man looking guy heads out <laughs> to his new job on the moon, leaving his pregnant wife behind. It'll only be a few months, and then she'll come up to join him on the moon. Hey, uh, cool moon life. Yeah, that is until on the walk to the spaceport, he's a te- he's grabbed by some space press gangers, and he's forced aboard the long haul shipping freight to the stars at ninety eight percent of the speed of light. The, Which, what the hell? Yeah, the ship takes 10 years and he's stuck aboard after some crazy space adventures, like just sort of a space adventure montage that takes 10 it's years, basically. It's pretty cool. It is like, pretty it's like, cool. It's like, well, I'm stuck on this. So he's like integrating with the the crew, with pirates, and then yeah, fighting pirates, people. dealing with a mutiny, all kinds of stuff. Um, it's great. Yeah, eventually, though, he gets back on Earth. He goes back to his old house to find that he's been gone for 50 years. Oh my his, god, his son is real gross. His unborn his uh his once unborn child is now a fat old jerk, and his wife is even older. Oh no. Oh man, and it's really sad because she's like, wait, like he's running away. Once oh yeah, he no. sees all of this, and it's like, wait, don't go away. I, what do you know, I, about, I my know about my husband? I miss him so much. <laughs> so horrible. He's like, uh, peace out, you aren't a hot lady anymore. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> He signs back up for the long haul, which is the only thi- which is the only thing left in his life that makes sense. <laughs> that's that's how they get you, man. Yeah, yeah. Spend your time at your job. Uh, time's the great adventure. This is sort of a spash and light version of that catch in the cradle song. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. <laughs> Anyhow, finally, it's the challenge. Uh, Our robot Eric Bradbury letting robot Steve Potter. Just when you thought you were safe, it's another Tharg story. I think this one's kind of fun though because we get to see Tharg do stuff in the medieval garb that he's worn, sort of on like the credits pages for a couple annuals now, like several oh, years yeah. in a row. Like, including, like, this year, where I think the inside cover is basically also the first image of this story. Um, Tharg's being challenged to a fight by Soul Dark. This kind of lizard uh-huh. dude with a spiked tail and a staff full of head. Heads! Tharg's refuse, Tharg refuses the challenge until Soul Dark reveals his solar converter capable of incinerating planets. So Tharg's got a fight. He dons his battle robes and flies out to meet the alien, the angry lizard. The two of them fight. Tharg blocking blasts with his rosette of Sirius and shooting back Rigelian hotshots. He hits Soul Dark with the James T. Kirk double fist punch. That was cool. And he overcomes a last minute tail attack on the rosette of Sirius itself. He defeats the monster, ties him up, and leaves him with all the other monsters he's defeated, hanging out in space as a warning, Star Slayer Empire style. Like, really, it's a very long line of... Yeah. These bad guys never learn, and that is the price of mightiness. Tharg will return in Prague 386! Ugh, boring. Yep. Yep, that's how it goes. Anyhow, on that high note, Fox, <laughs> that's it for this episode, March 1984, Progs 358 to 361. And so I must ask you, what were your top and bottom thrills? Ooh, boy. Um, this is such a jam-packed, awesome month. I mean, there's one obvious blemish uh, other than two things that I like. Uh, going away for a minute but man oh man i mean i'm gonna say anything that wasn't the main progs is my (laughs) (laughs) like uh it's fine filler gets relegated there were three i find that to be an acceptable amount to punish it so okay that's fair (laughs) you get you get out of my life uh tharg the mighty uh, like oh you're, man! I'm not like that. I mean, not like I like Thar. No, man. I know what it's you not, mean. I know exactly what you mean. That's, don't don't worry. Just, about I, it. I I don't need like ridiculous self promotion. <laughs> you already do it enough, man. <laughs> um, yeah. man. But for top, that's so hard. But you know what I'm gonna say here is mm-hmm. uh, I will definitively go with slain uh, because casual violence <laughs> just. Casual violence, beautiful art, uh, a dragon that can see through people, and uh, I guess just like street justice. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, everything was kind of kind of hit with that. I mean, everything else in the comic was like 
been fucking tastic. But yeah. um, I got to call it out for all of the great things that it is. Story and art, man. Nice. And Conrad. Mm. The world wants to know, what are your top and bottom thrills? Oh, man. Like you said, there's a lot of real good stuff. For me, the top thrills this month come down to Slain and Judge Dredd, I think. Oof. Those are really the top two for me. I'm going to say Slain this time. I really love this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just gushed about it during the, the actual coverage, <laughs> too. But just the art for uh, Sky Chariots is so amazing and just really something that you've got to check out if you haven't yeah. already, which I feel like you should. I mean, it's, honestly, it's something that I always get to mention when they talk about especially this era of Slain. Um, it's, it's real, real beautiful. Real great. Although Haunting of Sector House uh, 9 is also really good. Just has a lot of, like, all the stuff that I want from Dread is in there, which is real, re- really fun. Um, for bottoms, I don't see a reason not to follow your lead and pick future shocks. <laughs> like if you've already, why would you want to punish anything else? Yeah, right? If you've broken that seal, I don't see a reason not to uh, follow, not to follow along. Um, what? Watch. Fast forward to a hundred episodes from now, where uh, we say it's all right to just hate the fan letter. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, if you if you held a gun to my head like the collector holding a, a cane sword to the throat oh. of Citizen Snork, so um, <laughs> I'd be tempted to say Dr. and Quinch is 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 the bottom. Yeah. I'd say. I mean, I don't know. I got like, I like, like, Dion Quinch is funny and I like it, but it's also like, I, I don't know if it's my favorite thing in the prog right now, I guess. Um, I feel well, like it's it has definitely this, not at the same level. Like, it dragged yeah. at the end in this one. Yeah, I mean, just kind of like, you know, I feel like I see the joke for Dr. and Quinch, I guess, and so. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so that sort of ruins the delivery. And just like, I don't know, like, I just don't really like them that much. I guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, hey, that's fine. Like, like I, I like the comic and the writing, but like the actual characters of Dr. and Quinch, I don't really like mm-hmm. that much. <laughs> yeah, the definitely like, the thought boxes are what make it. I would, like, I would prefer yeah. these guys as as filler, right? Maybe, yeah, something. But I don't know. So, um. Yeah, I guess that's what I'd put in the bottom again, if required to. But for the record, my bottom is uh, time t- is uh, the Future Shocks, Time Twisted, and Thar the Mighty. Because whatever, dude. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're just breaking all the rules today. <laughs> I mean, listen, like this is the golden age, so we got to find bad where we can. You know what I mean? And like, really, just push it out of the way so everyone like, else can read the good shit. <laughs> Dr. and Quinch, one hundred percent, like a B story. You know, just mm-hmm. tough in the in this field of A's. You know what I mean? Um, anyhow, I hope everybody, with that unpopular opinion that I'm sure everybody will yell at me about, oh, <laughs> I hope, on. I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter at spacespinner2k for everything else to come spacespinner2000, we should be there. Whoa. <laughs> Going real fast. Come back next time as Fox takes an episode off, and I'm joined by Stephen Reed of the Everything Comes Back 2080 podcast <gasps> for a look at the 1984 sci-fi special. Oh man, yeah, it's Have got fun. it's got more game show based dread stories. Rogue Trooper goes undercover, and there's even some classic flesh and invasion stories. Until then, though, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid Splendid